Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio, the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. Yes, we back, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. And everyone loves it. But the dramatics have come down just a little bit. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. This today, Disney filed a lawsuit against Florida Governor Ron DeSantis for waging a, quote, relentless campaign to weaponize government power against the company. Yeah. In an official statement, the head of Disney's legal team said, <laughs> Hey, um, we mentioned Tucker Carlson lost his job for, at least in part, calling a female executive the C-word. This story just came out. ESPN has fired a Major League Baseball reporter who's a woman, mm-hmm. Marley Rivera, for calling a fellow reporter a blanking C. So, once again, the C word is undefeated. To call a woman that word in the workplace, you will lose your job. I just think it's good to know. Be you man, woman, gay, or straight. I exactly. appreciate the equality. Yeah, the equity. Uh, you know what's funny is that it's not a big deal at all in the UK, the C word. It's it's like saying dudes or blokes or whatever. These three blanks I'm hanging out with. I need better friends. Ah. It is interesting words that we assign special powers to where like you can say all kinds of horrible things or you can have a long descriptor that would be uh everything that's attached to that word. Oh yeah. 
you are an uncooperative, um, uh, mean, yeah. stupid, unethical, blah, blah, blah. All the words that that word describes, not a tenth the power of the word, though. For, for, Which is absurd. It's interesting. I mean, I get why some ru- words are considered rude. Um, it's more than interesting. Why don't you work on normalizing the C word? See how it goes for you. Well, well, I don't have to in the UK, like I said. Mm. That's why it's so weird. But do they? Is there a word in, in like that I could say in uh, in England that I think is kind of innocuous? But in Great Britain, it'd be fighting words that I'm Probably. unaware. Of? Almost certainly, yeah. I can't think of one offhand. But, mm. uh, yeah, almost certainly. Oh, hey, what hour did we do the the scientific study about? Uh, trans uh, or sex change procedures for uh youth was that our two or three of i the believe show? it was the bottom of our two okay grab that podcast please 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 and i'm not just trying to promote the show it's a, an effort by scientific paper to say hey can we stop shouting slogans at each other and look at the science and the outcomes of permanent procedures on confused children and it does that, and it is incredibly important. So anyway, grab that. Uh, speaking of the world of science, a couple of studies that I found interesting in different ways. The first one is nearly half of concussion patients still have brain injury symptoms six months later, which is kind of scary. We're so at the beginning of understanding the human brain. I mean, we've come a long way, we, the human beings and science and the rest of it, but... We're still in, in our toddlerhood at best. Uh, scientists assert that even mild concussions can cause long-term lasting effects on the brain. Uh, researchers from Cambridge University discovered that in nearly one out of every two patients who sustained a head injury, there are alterations in the way different brain regions communicate with each other. This can potentially lead to long-term symptoms such as fatigue and cognitive impairment. Hmm, I know I had a real good concussion in eighth grade. Uh, never diagnosed, but I'm positive it was a... Uh... And I just, I've always wondered if what that did to me it's pro- explains everything, probably. Well, I've had, I had a handful of them, a uh, couple of them diagnosed, one or two not diagnosed, but uh, at least two or three where I like, they were bad enough, I went into shock and started to vomit and stuff like that. So they're pr- pretty good blows to the brain. Do they have ways of grading them? I mean, do they, do they give them like a class one or a? That's a great question. Like, I don't know. They should. Um, uh, I've got an old uh, golf buddy who listens sometimes who is a neurologist. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll email him. We'll talk about it again tomorrow. But anyway, I, I have a truly tragic, um, sad inability to recall things unless I'm reminded of them. Um, you know, high school capers that my buddies will tell me about. And sometimes I have a vague memory of them. Sometimes I don't have any at all. Things my kids did and said, and it breaks my heart. Oh. Um, I, I have a tragic inability to remember that stuff. It, well, if I see pictures and videos, that helps. Emotionally, it helps, but it, it makes me even, it, it, it makes me very, very sad to even talk about it. But that's got to be related to, um, all those concussions. It didn't do you any good. No, no. I might let my 11-year-old play tackle football this fall because he really wants to. I think about that a lot. 
Yeah. Repetition of blows to your head. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I also would have hated it, despised it, and resented it if I wasn't allowed to do the things I was doing that got me those concussions as a youngster. Cage fighting. Well, yeah, of course. That's my thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's hard. Life's hard. No, no, no. You grew Everybody up in Thailand. Everybody takes blows and gets injured. You grew up in Thailand, grade school, uh, cage fighting. Yeah, but I could kill a man with my left foot. <laughs> my right foot I could kill a town. <laughs> but I hold it back, Jack, because I'm a compassionate man. Yeah. So anyway, you would, so you would, you would yeah. looking back over your life, you would rather have played uh, hockey, baseball, whatever, and have the concussions than not, and not had the concussions. Oh, yeah. I mean, I like to ride my bike really fast and and execute various maneuvers. <laughs> Into walls. Well, and I, I wiped out and got a hell of a concussion once, uh, mm. bounced my head off the pavement. Oh, yeah. Jeez, my, my son was trying to wheelie the other day and went over backwards without a helmet on. And uh, said, you got to wear the helmet. You just got to. Of course, when we grew up, nobody wore helmets, including me. Um, And, you know, I I was playing with buddies. I was probably 12 years old, 13 years old, uh, playing on a slide at a park, and I fell off. Bang, right on my head. That was a good one. But so, yeah, What if my parents had said, yeah, we're not going to let you ride your bike fast anymore, I might have run away. Um, So, I don't know. Life's funny that way. Anyway, uh, study number two, unless you have more on that topic. Okay. Study number two, this one cracked me up. Walking the dog is far more dangerous than you might realize, according to Johns Hopkins. Was that a bit of cynicism I heard from you right there? (laughs) Yeah, that that headline might as well be, people say when I walk my dog, my boobs are too big. (laughs) Clickbait? Is that what you're suggesting, sir? How dare you? How dare you? (laughs) This is absolutely hilarious. This is the opposite of that previous study, which is just so thought-provoking and the rest of it. This actually got to print. The researchers found an estimated 422,000 adults sought treatment in U.S. emergency room from injuries resulting from leash-dependent dog walking from 2001 to 2020. Okay. All right. So it's it's about 423,000. Over 20 years. Okay. So if it were 10 years, let's take a tenth of that, that's 43,000. But you got to cut that in half again. So we'll call it 22,000. We'll be generous. 22,000 in a year, 340 million people in America. Nearly all of these were old folks who stumbled and fell and hurt themselves and needed some sort of treatment. And the headline is walking the dog far more dangerous than you might realize. Yeah. <laughs> Again, what are you going to wrap yourself in bubble wrap and. In inside a, a, a veal calf cage or what? I remember years ago I was uh, glad. Does Gladys play the harp anymore? Or did we re- fire her and replaced her with AI? Was she still here? Oh, that's right. She unionized. She unionized and it's just she's her. striking. That's right. She's the only one. Yeah. Um, uh, I was rollerblading. I was letting my dog pull me on my rollerblades, and then he saw a squirrel and he darted right in front of me, and I went over and wrapped up my legs and I went down so hard. Oh, so yes, walking the dog can be very dangerous or rollerblading with the dog (laughs) or making your dog pull you on your rollerblade. (laughs) Did you have a whip or anything or crop? (laughs) 
I hope not. <laughs> eh, anyway. So your point is it's not quite as dangerous as the headline led you <laughs> Yes, that's my point. Okay. Yes, it's not at all dangerous. And that's a stupid study that shouldn't have been done. <sighs> I hate stuff like that. What's that? Uh, studies that come out. They get, uh, you know, the drive-by media stuff that Rush Limbaugh used to complain about all the time. Studies, health studies about, you know, this causes a heart attack or that'll ruin your eyes or whatever the heck it is. It causes injuries to kids or whatever. And it's just, it's a it's a one-off study that was barely done and it's inaccurately reported. And then another layer of inaccuracy on top of it as they reported on the Today Show. And well, we, right, yeah. we talk about it for 10 minutes and move on to the next thing. Just... Eh, there's too much of that. Well, my favorite one is uh, the study that says this causes, uh, this triples your risk of Alzheimer's. Right. Yeah. From 1 in 50 million to 3 in 50 million. Right. Not to make light of that terrible, terrible condition, but heart disease, whatever. It goes from, it's, you're never going to get it to, eh, you're never going to get it. I'm <laughs> strong and decky. That's not inspiring. It's not fair. It seems irresponsible. It's cold. You know, it's not a victory. It's a it's a surrender. It doesn't even, it's 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 so childish. It's so juvenile. Yeah. Upper yeah, ender. this is great. We Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I'm on a roll of being extra self-righteous today, and I can't decide if I should get off that horse or just continue riding it into the self-righteous sunset. <laughs> I don't know. If you got a groove going, let that groove go. But um, I smell a rat to a certain extent in the fact that the New York Times and the USA Today both have their big cover story articles about homelessness in California the same day. That seems a little coordinated. It's like when you flip on the cable news and and every politician from one party is using exactly the same phrase. And you know that they were sent... uh, you know, a cover sheet of what to say. Somebody, I don't know, from the homelessness industrial complex that is worth many billions of dollars uh, got USA Today and New York Times to do a big article about homelessness in California the same day. Anyway, I was complaining about the article in New York Times and that they never mention at any point drug addiction. Doesn't even, you know, not not at any point. And, uh, and, and talk about how people can't afford to live where they live. And, you know, the homeless shelters won't allow to have dogs. So, it, so they have to live in the rain and all these different sort of things. This one in the USA Today also pisses me off. They have this nice looking blonde, young blonde girl on the cover of USA Today in the headline. For many, being homeless is a world of in between. And they describe this chick's situation. She's 28 years old. Her last steady residence was her college dorm. Okay, so first thing you think is she went to college. How'd she end up homeless? She's tried for years to find an apartment she can't afford and sometimes sleeps in her grandmother's garage in Culver City, California. That's your focus person for the awfulness of homelessness. Culver City, if you're not from the L.A. area and don't know, is situated between Beverly Hills, Marina Del Rey, and Santa Monica. One of the more expensive parts of the world to live in. (laughs) She can't afford to yes. live there with whatever college degree she got, and so she sleeps in her grandmother's garage, which ain't exactly homeless. Um, so I just feel like as a society, if we're going to have discussions about homelessness, we got to start dividing these things out or have a criteria. 
I'll, I'm willing to go with any story that includes, you know, you're, you, you had a health cost that bankrupted you and now you can't afford to live. But it also better include you looked for a job somewhere where it's cheaper to live. Maybe it's because I moved around as a lot as a kid that, that it bothers me so much that people feel like they have a God given right to live in some of the most expensive cities in America, no matter their, you know, their qualifications for a job or the cost of an apartment or anything, you can't possibly go live somewhere else that's cheaper. You gotta live in San Francisco or San Diego or wherever, no matter what. And if the taxpayer doesn't provide you a way to live there, then you are being wronged by society. Drives me crazy. I'm living in a tent, crapping on the sidewalk because I, just can't afford a 5,000-square-foot apartment overlooking Central Park on Park Avenue. It's a tragedy, an American tragedy. Yeah, how, how narrow do you want to focus it? Yeah, that, I'm, I'm only willing to live on uh, Central Park West. I'm not willing to live anywhere else, and I can't afford yeah. any of these places. They're very expensive, so that's right. why I'm on the street. And why haven't you provided me a shelter yet, taxpayer? Yeah, I know. Every time we talk about this, people say it's expensive to move. It's hard if you're poor. I, I'm sure it is. Do you know why I moved from Kansas City to Hayes, Kansas? Because I couldn't afford to live in Kansas City anymore with the job skills that I had. So I moved to a place where it was really freaking cheap to live. Yeah. yeah. Why, why does nobody do that anymore? You don't have a right to live in San Diego. It's cool to live in San Diego. Be awesome if you could afford it. But if you can't afford it, you got to live somewhere else. Yeah, I know. I know. How is that not even a paragraph in any of these discussions? I'd love to spend an hour inside the head of a progressive person who won't even mention drug addiction, for instance, or the fact that these are the most expensive places on earth, or be honest about the fact that many people come to these beautiful locations, partly because they're beautiful and partly because they have lavish services for people living in tents, etc., um, I would love to know how your brain works. Are you willfully ignoring that? Is it is it like I push off my own mortality? I'm aware of it, but I prefer not to dwell on it. Or are you completely unaware of it? Or 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 are you completely aware of it and you're just being dishonest because you think I have to be dishonest to get the right thing to happen? How does your brain work? Well, uh, maybe you know I I I am fairly uh, hard hearted toward uh, you know um, finding a way to survive in the world. Um, but your your feature person, the most sympathetic person you can come up with to put as a picture on the front top of the fold on USA Today is a 28-year-old who went to college who wants to live in a really expensive city but has to sleep in her grandma's garage. That's the most sympathetic character you can come up with. Boo freaking who? And not exactly, you know, uh, uh, touching my heartstrings there. Yeah. So you combine the crowd that's they're drug addicts that's how they ended up homeless okay that's a problem we got to figure out as a society what to do with that but that's a difference and then you combine that with the but i want to live someplace cool crowd okay but if you can't afford to live someplace cool that ain't my fault no no indeed i'm strong and jetty That's not inspiring. It's not fair. It seems irresponsible. It's cold. You know, it's not a victory. It's a it's a surrender. It doesn't even, it's 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 so childish. It's so juvenile. Yeah. Upper yeah, this is great. Wee! 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. According to the CDC, cases of sexually transmitted disease are on the rise. America is back and so is our chlamydia, everybody. It's... Uh, for some reason, they have changed the term STD to STI. Did you know this? No. Which is very bad news for the students at the Systems Technology Institute. But <laughs> STIs went way down at the start of the COVID pandemic, but they're now headed back up the charts with a, a bullet. COVID was like, we, our work is done here, herpes. You take over from here. What is going on with that? I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, is the if you were passing up sex and companionship because you're afraid of COVID, we have very little to talk about you and me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. 
This is just the so, whole the great divide in America. New York Times is still writing articles about you're ready to come out in the post-COVID world. Here's how you adjust. Well, what? Joe Biden announced the end of the COVID emergency day before yesterday. So it just ended. Come on. I need to, I need to an adjustment period. It's only been over <laughs> for 24 hours. Um, so uh, STD is a sexually transmitted disease. What's an STI? Sexually transmitted infection. Infection. Because disease is a n- nasty word. Nasty it word. It shames people. Yeah, it's sh- exactly. You have an infection, which isn't that pleasant a word. <laughs> hey, uh, um, I can't get into the particulars of this. Um, I wish I could. Maybe I will in the future. But reared its head yesterday that jerk has become a bad word. How, when did jerk become like the end? It's like the J word. I am uh, completely unfamiliar with it. Well, we have talked about a couple of uh, kids' books and various books where they're taking the word jerk out of there. Mm. And uh, it came into my life yesterday, and i got to be very, very vague, where somebody used the term jerk and was told by an adult, no, you do not say that word. When did wow. jerk become... Did I miss something? Was I not... Was that one of the words taken out of, like, a Raoul yeah. Dahl book? Yep. It was. I'd forgotten yep. that. Yep. But... So that kind of surprised me when that happened. And then in real life yesterday, when a child got dressed down for using that word, I thought, when did jerk become? Did I, I must have been sick that day <laughs> when, when the nation decided that jerk was just a horrifying thing to call somebody. I don't even know, like, how to search on information about this. What would I say? Don't say jerk. But, hmm. We're going to run out of words, so we need to, we need to have words. There need to be some words that describe a person that is, um, not comporting with societal norms. <laughs> what are we supposed to call these people? If you can't say yeah. jerk, obviously you can't use any, uh, the, the, the bad words, curses. You know, it's funny. I can't find anything on this. Well, it, it's been being pulled out of kids' books, kids' TV shows, and now I've got an example of it being uh, actually said to a child, don't use that word, talking about someone else. I, we need to know more about this. Do you know anything about this? Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. Drop us an email real quick. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I'll look at it uh, during the next I want to meet the jerk who came up with this. You know... It's probably worth repeating yet again that uh, in his book, Rules for Radicals, Saul Alinsky pointed out really kind of the he was very much of one mind with George Orwell on this. Uh, He said that uh, he who controls language controls the future. Um, And and again, he was paraphrasing Orwell. Orwell was um, trying to warn us. Saul Alinsky was issuing an instruction manual for how to radically change society. All of this stuff, I mean, with some exceptions. Um, but few, all of this stuff, making you change a term for something, being told the old term you've always used is uh, no good. You need to use this new term or uh, demanding that you uh, share your pronouns and denying that a man is a woman, anything like that. All these uh, efforts to, to uh, pervert the language, they're there for a reason. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with that at all. But words do change. Uh, like when we were kids, saying something sucks was 
like a bad word. I, I didn't weren't allowed, wasn't allowed to say that in my household as a kid. Well, now oh, yeah. high level politicians say that. Oh yeah, if you were to say hell or damn on a radio station uh, forty years ago, you'd be immediately fired. Immediately, right? And and saying something sucks was like really really coarse talk. Now you can be a U.S. senator and say this sucks. We shouldn't be doing this. Right. That's that's kind of a different thing because that's the way obscenities go. They tend to soften over time. And I mean, the idea of hearing an F bomb in a McDonald's thirty years ago was utterly unthinkable. I still, I still don't want to. Hear. No, I don't either. But don't get away from it. Yeah, that's that's subtly different than uh, some of the other ways. I think jerk becoming to... a bad word is going the other direction. I'm astounded by that. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I I get like not using retarded as a yeah. an insult yeah. to people. I um, guess although, though I... that was the kind term when we were kids. Well, right. Yeah, you were mentally retarded. Uh, then it became developmentally disabled and handicapable and the rest of it. A lot of that stuff is just. It's trying to dress up something that's unfortunate um, for the purpose of, of lending dignity to the people involved. And I, I don't dislike people who try to do that. I think um, at some point it, it's uh, it's useless. It's ridiculous because it never it never stops changing. Well, and the uh, the uh, the term, the proper term for a uh, a, a person of uh, dark skin has changed half a dozen times in uh, in the 20th to the 21st right. centuries. Colored was the preferred term. Then it became a you will lose your job for saying it. Now people of color is the preferred term. Wow. Right. That's a we've got a funny text. It's well, pe- and you would lose your job for using the terms Martin Luther King Jr. used, for instance. Yeah, we got uh, a funny text. People experiencing jerkism is the proper way to say. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I've got a really interesting uh, roundup of politics and trials and claims and counterclaims. Uh, but instead of, like, rushing through that like a lunatic, which is probably a word I shouldn't use. I'm sorry. Rushing through it like a person experiencing mental infection. Um <laughs> Why don't we do this instead? Michael, play us clip 10, please, and I'll explain. I pick up the phone and I hear my daughter's voice and it says, Mom, I I, I messed up and she's sobbing and crying. And then I hear a man's voice say, put your head back, lie down. And this man gets on the phone and he's like, I've got your daughter. This is how it's going to go down. You call the police. You call anybody. I'm going to pop her stomach so full of drugs. I'm going to have my way with her and I'll drop her off in Mexico. In the background, she's going, help me, Mom. I never doubted for one second it was her. Help me, Mom. Help me. Please help me. And crying. That's her daughter's voice on the telephone during this horrifying kidnapping attempt, except that it wasn't her daughter's voice. It was her daughter's voice synthesized by AI. It was just a clone. And there was no doubt in this woman's mind. And I've seen the interview. I've heard the interview. She's a a bright lady. She's not, you know, a halfwit or anything like that. Um, There was no doubt in her mind her daughter was in trouble. It was completely her voice, she says. It was her inflection. It was the way she would have cried. Never doubted for one second it was her. That's the freaky part that really got me to my core. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mentioned I signed into my 401k account the other day. It said, state your name and address so that we can analyze your voice to see if it's you. So they have my voice on tape, and they can match it up to the extent that it's as good as giving them my social security number, I guess. And so if that can happen, then, yeah, I suppose they can replicate a voice and have it say various things. 
AI can now, so wow, that opens up yet another can of worms. Yeah, um, and one of our brilliant listeners, and I wish I had the email handy because I want to give them credit. They said, "Hey, should we all erase the? Because the you remember the the advice? Uh, if you get a phone call from a mysterious number, you think it might be a scammer, don't immediately talk first. shout f you and then hang up. I don't mind. Is that what I said? If it turns out to be your doctor's office, you're going to have some splaining to do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so your grandma just, on her new phone, <laughs> just give a little what what. <laughs> and then make them talk first. Two funny voices <laughs> from now on. Do it, do, do impersonations. <laughs> Hello, who is this? <laughs> this is Joe. Who is this? <laughs> so uh, we get that advice, right? So they can't like grab a clip of your voice and synthesize it to scam you, or, or t- good lord, the terror of thinking your child's been kidnapped. No, nothing would by be some worse. rapist lunatic who's going to drug no. them up and drop them in Mexico for the love of all that's holy. Anyway, but one of our listeners said, "So do we all have to erase the messages on our phones now? They don't have to talk to you. They got thirty seconds of tape. Uh-huh. You saying, yeah, sorry, I missed your call. Uh, leave a message after the beep, et cetera, et cetera.'" I don't know who that's for anymore, but you come across those on a regular basis. At the beep, you can leave a message. Uh, let me know. I will get back to you as soon as possible. Yeah, we all know this. Just give me the yeah, freaking beep. Hey, it's me. Leave a message. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my my message says, sometimes I don't get voicemails for like a day or two, so please text me. I, anyway. I haven't checked to see what my message is. I've had this number for 20 years, and I, mm. I, I made the message 20 years ago. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dirt. What was I about to say? It's probably oh, got the of- Macarena blasting in the background. And I'm- <laughs> yeah. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you. You don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Finns are a tough, tough people with a very, very good military. It's also the happiest country on Earth, perhaps the happiest place on Earth. It makes Disneyland look like a public toilet. They're so damn happy in Finland. The New York Times, with a really interesting article about Finland being named the happiest country on Earth for the sixth consecutive year, but as they say in their uh, subheadline, the reality is a bit more complicated. The headline is, The Finnish Secret to Happiness, Knowing When You Have Enough. And I find this found this very interesting, as I think most of us would like to be happy. That's not or the, happier or not unhappy. That's not the Finnish secret to happiness. That's the human secret to happiness. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with you. Yeah. So uh, at any rate, for six years in a row, Finland was ranked at the very top of this UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network uh, report, the World Happiness Report. Finns themselves say the ranking points to a more complex reality. I wouldn't say I consider us very happy, said a uh, 58-year-old high school English teacher. I'm a little suspicious of that word, uh, actually. And so the New York Times set off across Finland and talked to all sorts of different people of all sorts of different ages and politics and, of course, sexual orientations, blah, blah, blah. Uh, while people praised Finland's strong social safety net and spoke glowingly of the psychological benefits of nature and the personal joys of sports or music, they also talked about guilt, anxiety, and loneliness. Rather than happy, they were more likely to characterize Finns as quite gloomy, a little moody, or not not given to unnecessary smiling. In fact, they quoted one woman who was an immigrant from Africa years and years ago who said, boy, when I go back to my home country, I'm reminded of how joyful people are because Finland is a kind of dark, serious place in a lot of ways. Well, I come from a part of America settled by people from that part of Europe, and it tends to be a non-smiling crowd. It's just a you get up every day and you grin and bear it and uh, go to yeah. bed. <laughs> You don't grin and bear it. You grimace and bear it. It turns out that even the happiest people in the world aren't that happy, but they are something more like content. There you go. Said a professor at University of Eastern Finland who has researched well-being in Finnish society, explained, quote, uh, well, not quite quoting yet, Finns derive satisfa satisfaction from leading sustainable lives and perceive financial success as being able to identify and meet basic needs. In other words, when you know what is enough, you are happy. Wow, that sounds so much like the people of uh, lots of Minnesota, South Dakota, those areas of the country where then they they came from that part of the world. Just yeah, figure out how to set up your finances so you're not going to starve when you're old, and uh, get by as little as you can, and uh, go to work every day. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's that's content, and, and thank God for it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, and they go into the, the generous social safety net there and how there's a lot of support for the arts 
government-funded, taxpayer-funded support for the arts. And so artsy people are, are very happy about that. Uh, I'd like to know more about the finances of Finland and how they actually work. Um, but there's a little more to this. Um, the conventional wisdom is that it's easier to be happy in a country like Finland where the government ensures a secure foundation on which to build a fulfilling life and a promising future. But that expectation can also create pressure to live up to the national reputation. We're very privileged to know our privilege, said a 19-year-old young woman. So we're also scared to say that we're discontent with anything because we know that we have it so much better than other people. In other words, they have a culture of not griping. If you have enough, nobody wants to hear you complain. That is very different than being the happiest place on earth. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, I wonder what percentage of people are in the workforce, people of working age. I would guess a very, very high percentage. So, uh, I don't think they go into this specifically. Um, the Finnish way of life is summed up in sisu, a trait said to be part of the national character. The word roughly translates to, quote, grim determination in the face of hardships, such as the country's long winters. Even in adversity, a Finn is expected to persevere without complaining. How different is that than the drive-by headline that Finns are the happiest people on earth and they have a generous safety net. Right. I remember we used to have, uh, you know, there are various people like extroverts and high school cheerleader personality types who harangue Jack and me <laughs> through the years about what's wrong. Smile. And I finally took to saying the official mood of the Armstrong and Getty show is grim determination. That's just the way we are. Uh, Let's see. Back in the day when it wasn't that easy to survive the winter, said uh, another teenager, people had to struggle. And then it's kind of been passed along the generations. Our parents were this way. Our grandparents were this way. Tough and not worrying about everything. Just living life. That is so interesting and so in line with, you know, virtually other every other great philosophy and religion that mankind has held. And we are uh, seem to be working pretty hard to do away with that sort of attitude. Well, you could suggest that the U.S., not the U.S. alone, certainly. Um, I'm looking at you, France. Uh, but the U.S. has become a sort of anti-Finland, where you're expected to complain about everything all the time. And in fact, if you're not shrieking about what a victim you are, how beleaguered you are, how unfair the world has been to you, you can't get any attention at all in the United States. Right. They have social media in Finland? They got Twitter and whatnot? I think they do. Huh? It doesn't come up in any of the conversations. Uh, a couple more quotes. Uh, here's an older lady who was born 17 years after Finland won independence from Russia, which was, I can't remember when. It was a uh, Cold War time. Anyway, uh, da, da, da. she's watched her homeland transform from the devastation of World War II through years of rebuilding to a nation held up as an exemplar to the world. Quote, my mother used to say, remember, the blessing in life is in work and every work you do, do it well. I think Finnish people have been very much the same way. We, everybody did everything together and helped each other. We don't whine. We just do. That's uh, that's really interesting. I wonder, I wonder what started that culture. I wonder what keeps it going. 
I would like, and this is, it's interesting that this really fabulous bit of journalism is in the liberal New York Times, which is certainly um, more than willing to trumpet uh, the whining, bitchy victim culture thing <laughs> all the time. I wish everybody in America had to read this article. The WBV, as we call them, the whining, right. bitchy victim culture. Exactly, WBV culture. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll put a link to this article at armstrongandgetty.com if you want to link, but if you want to read it, rather. And course. you're absolutely right, because it's been many years in a row that Finland has been named the happiest country, and I've never heard a, a deep dive into what their culture actually is. Right. All you hear is they have a generous welfare state, and that makes people happy. Duh. Okay, not at all. <laughs> the Armstrong and Getty Show. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.